it was impossible to do anything, I guess. I really don't want to get on any more medication because right now my memory is so bad and I don't want any more of that. So I don't know what to do. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with survivors. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com, on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. Check the show notes for other ways you can participate, get involved, volunteer, learn more, all that good stuff, including our membership. We would love your financial support. We can certainly use it. So have a look at that if you'd like. And do keep in mind, we are talking about suicide on this podcast like we do every week, just as the title suggests. We know it's not a good fit for everybody, so take that into account before you listen or as you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with James. James lives in Texas, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. I'm talking with James, who was in a car in Denton, Texas. Yes. Gave me permission to say the city, right? Yes. It's home of the University of North Texas. Several famous people have gone there. James, who's gone there? Uh, Me and Joe Green. Me and Joe Green. Nora Jones came here, but then she dropped out and became famous. I had a bit Uh, of a crush on Nora Jones. You know what? I did too. James is in a field somewhere. Safe, he's safe. We're just talking about things. No one's doing anything. Exactly. We're just speaking. James is, uh, I'll just let James speak for himself, but you should know we were talking for about 10 minutes and then Sean, that's me, didn't hit the record button. So I'm just going back and summarizing (laughs) married guy, uh, but Mm -hmm. didn't let his wife know. And that's just because she's she has like OCD and separation anxiety. She's medicated for it. When I talk about this stuff, she just gets very overbearing and scared because she thinks she's going to lose me. You know, that's I guess that's the whole the role of a husband is to you know pick everyone out and her father. And so I got to fake it a lot of the times. So once they see me shutting down, they start to shut down. And you know, I guess I'm basically the Rock. You look a little bit like the Rock. I'm the Dwayne Johnson of the family, but. The Dwayne Johnson of Denton, Texas, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. And this is very common, I think. I don't want to talk about it because I'm going to freak out. I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. But in not creating the space to talk about it, you're actually maybe increasing the chances. Oh, yeah, man. And that's why it's gotten so tough now. Because well, we're going through a lot. They they need to be lifted up as much as they can. And if I have, they call it fits, right? Fits. You, James has fits. Yeah, yeah like tantrum or fit. If I have that. And then they're just like, you just want to check out of here, don't you? Mm. You don't want to be around. You don't want to put the work in. So it's really, I tend to just not talk about it. Yeah, I think that's what happens, right? Because there's a point in which you just stop. You get the messages. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm just not going to do that. And that, I think, is, I'm not trying to be like alarmist here because you know it as well as anybody, but I think that's a little bit of a dangerous space when we stop talking. Oh, that's, yeah, full heartedly agree with that because the days I'm not able to like release it and yeah. thought, those are the darkest days. And then 
that's where I become close again to always think of it as like a dirty secret. Cause even like listening to your podcast and stuff, I have to keep that in secret or the, uh, you know, just talking, like looking at stuff online or messaging people. It's just like, and then she's like, well, what are you doing on your phone? And then I have to like make up a lie on the spot. She can tell I'm lying. So it's like, Oh, you're talking to someone else. It's a messy thing, but, uh, I'm grateful for your podcast. So when she says somebody else, she's not talking about a, another woman. She's talking about something related to suicide. No, she thinks it's another woman. Yeah. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? So I guess I keep that secret. There's other things I like to just keep secret as well. Like uh, I was a part of this uh, group where you post pictures of what you get after work to eat on your drive home. So I like took a picture of the food and she's like found the receipt. And she's like, this, you bought, you went out to eat with someone. And I was like, no, I did not. Look, I ate all that. And she's like, no, you bought two burgers. You bought this. But I was like, yes, but in that, using that logic, I only bought one milkshake. And then my wife was like, well, what? she might have been lactose intolerant. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then I had to show her this like dirty group where it's just dudes who like buy food, mass amount of food and post it online and like talk about it. And I'll just say, it's, it's, this name of the group is eating like a big fella. So then she's like, so you're supposed to be coming home from work, but you're buying food and then you're posting it to these dudes. And then you're coming home and saying you haven't eaten that haven't. It's just a, I don't know. When you say eating like a big fella, I think that is so Texas. Oh, God. Yeah. And yes, it's a very big Texas. That is so Texas. Eating like a big fella. (laughs) Eating like a big fella. Post your photos. When did you, we're going to get to the suicide stuff, but it's all related. When did you first start listening, if you remember, to the podcast? How long ago was that? It was about maybe over a year ago. How long did you listen to it before you reached out? Oh, uh, well, this is going to sound silly. Uh, not to offend you, I was actually looking for this band called Suicide Now. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I believe they were from Chicago or something. I don't know. But then yours came up and I was like, oh, what's this? And I listened to it. You you spoke to someone named David. All he said is, uh, I'm a very simple man, Sean. I'm very simple. I'm easily amused. I'm like easily excited. And if someone says something that I like, I immediately have to be I mean, their friend. You're in a fucking group where you post what you eat. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all David said was uh, New Jersey straight edge. Being into like uh, that type of music and genres that are near that music. Dude, I flipped out. Okay. So I actually reached out to you so that I could get his email. Did I give you his email? Did I? You did. You actually tagged him in the email and he said it was okay. And you know what? We emailed for a long time, man. Oh, that's and, awesome. And the only reason I stopped is because he was, he was so uh, uh, like eloquent. Is that the word? He's very know. intelligent. And, you know, he'd write these beautiful emails. And then I would just sit there for like days in my notes on my phone. Because I felt like he was giving me so much. And then like, I feel like I'm not a, wasn't intelligent enough to reply that would match his. But uh, man, he's a great dude. He might hear this. He might not. He might not listen. I don't know. David, I'm sorry, bro. I, I need to get back to you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's me. It's not if you. he's listening, it's James. And <laughs> your, 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 old, your old buddy up in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you make the jump from listening? You found it accidentally, and then you reached out to talk to David, and then you wanted to talk to me. Well, it's just that I listen to people's stories. I think it's a really great thing just to, because if you looked at like any podcast right now and you were about this topic, it's all just going to be like trying to lift you up and stuff. But then I like that. And then also I feel, I just feel like I have to talk about it because I'm not going through a hard time, man. I mean, I used to use the hotline, but then it's just like, oh, it's going to get better. You know, I don't want that in the blow smoke and all that. I don't know. 
Your wife doesn't know. You have children. They don't know. Does anybody know that we're talking right now? Uh, no. Okay. How old were you when you first started thinking, if you can recall this, about ending your life? I was in ninth grade, so 14. Man, that's a common age. What was going on? Oh, man, you know, I grew up in a really small town. Like the population when I left the town was 300. Wow. You know, I was into like hip hop and skateboarding and hardcore and all that, just stuff that they didn't understand. So I was just bullied my whole life. And then it just got to the point in ninth grade where I just couldn't take it anymore. And there was a certain incident mm-hmm. that happened and I just went home, man. And I, I tried it, man. Tried how? And, uh, well, I hung myself. Am I allowed to? You can do whatever you want. I can always cut it out. I, I uh, you know, tried it in the closet and the, the bar broke. And I woke up to my mother hitting me with a broom. With a broom? Yeah, she was sweeping in the hallway, and I had closed my bedroom door, and I guess she heard the crash. She knew what happened? She knew what you did? Uh, she didn't know, but then, you know, I think she put it together. Yeah. And she was really she was really upset. She's a old Filipino Catholic lady, so she did not. Whoa, wait, hang on. An old Filipino? Uh-huh. So you're half Filipino or full Filipino? I'm half Filipino. What's the other half? Well, my, the other half is my uh, very white dad. <laughs> like uh, ZZ Top, and he's been to prison a few times. Are they still together? They are still like legally together, but they haven't been together for a while. So what had happened is my my mom came over here with her family or whatever, and my aunt she was getting a pool built, and my dad builds pools, and I guess she saw him with shirtless or something, and they just started there. There you go. Just to be clear, the the uh, young Filipino Catholic woman comes to the United yes. States. <laughs> yes. Comes to Texas, winds up in Texas, trying to make a new life for herself. Well, what had happened is she came to New York City first. Now you're speaking my language, man. Yeah. Oh, man, this is going to sound so stupid. She saw Barry Manilow (laughs) on the street. And she was like, I guess, walked up to him like bawling, like, oh, Barry, Barry. So he was smoking a cigarette and he just looked at her flicked it. I guess that scarred that she wanted to move with their older brother in Los Angeles. So they moved to Los Angeles, but the time they moved, like a week later, the race riots happened, right? They were like, we got to get somewhere else. So they went to uh, Denison, Texas. So they basically went from one coast to the other coast to like central. There's nothing in Denison. Your ZZ Top loving shirtless father was doing pool work and yeah. caught the attention, one of them at least. And my my mom, she I think that was the... My dad was the second dude she has ever dated in her life. She was liking the bad boys. Which yeah, is yeah. Fun. Funny enough, their first date was ZZ Top, but he like brought his friends too. So they're all like passing joints around and getting drunk. And she's just like, oh no. And she's always like, oh, I thought it was so disgusting. And I was like, well, you ended up marrying him. So what? Yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. But yeah, she was very upset about that. Sorry, I got off topic so much. All good. So we're talking about the attempt in the closet when you were... In ninth grade. And she said that, uh, you know, how shameful it was. And then the next day I had to do like therapy for half the day. Like she, I guess she got in touch with someone. I remember they put me on that. I don't know what the medication, it, the commercial and the pamphlet had the rocks that are sad and they get happy. That's a really accurate promotional material. Okay. I don't know if she like reached out to someone, but dude, like everyone knew, man. Okay. Small town, bro. And, and they would like use it against me and stuff. So it was, it was pretty bad. but. Uh, they would they would use the fact that you attempted against you. Yeah, they they like make fun, use it while they were bullying me and stuff. But I just like embraced it. Did you stay on the meds or just was brief? Uh, what had happened is they also gave me something for ADHD. It made me so aggressive. So then that's when I started wow. fighting more. 
I get in more in trouble. And there was a time from like where I almost didn't graduate because I had spent so much time in ISS, which is in school suspension. Yeah. Did you, and the other guys would wouldn't get in trouble because they're all like, well, he's the crazy one. So he often instigated it. But uh, tend to win these fights or lose them? A lot of times it'd be multiple people. But then I'd get like, oh man, and this is as effective how I am today because I'm very like defensive and I feel like I have to get revenge. I'd like meet them one on one. I don't think that was a, a good thing, but uh, I don't know. I was just like, because I'd go get it. I'd go to therapy, right? And I remember this one guy, he would just keep telling me, like, well, if you can't uh, beat them, you got to join them, right? He just wanted me to like, become friends with these guys. And I was just like, no, that's not happening, man. I'm not, uh, I'm not about that. Just to back up for a second, the the person that your mother sent you to that day or that week, was he a priest type person? So he was a psychiatrist, but dude, man, he was basically a priest. He was telling me, it was like, dude, it's the music you listen to. Mm. It's your aggression. You shouldn't be like this. You need to be going to church. You need to be doing all these things. Ooh, I wonder what school he went to to get his degree. And the thing is, because uh, I had multiple, because I, I just straight up tell my, my mom, like, look, I don't want to go back there. He doesn't. I will credit my mom this. She was very supportive. Like, she was open-minded. Like, like any mother would see the music and stuff and just, like, ban it. But she was like, well, that's his outlet. I'm going to continue to let him use that or listen to this. I mean, especially when I talked to him, if she could tell that I didn't like the person, she would be like, well, let's find another guy. And my father was the same way, so I appreciate that. So we were just, I think just in the area of that North Texas area like that, there was just no one that was because they were all like that yeah. you'd walk in and you see like the giant crosses and stuff and oh man did you have another attempt at some point no but i was able to get out of the i guess mindset because i really got involved with like music and like skateboarding and all of that and it really came back it was my second year teaching and i was teaching in a high school and i got a concussion it was, it was a bad one my primary he's, he suspected i have cte and what the traits of those are like a bipolar and schizophrenia. What really unmotivated me about getting it fixed was he said the only way to like truly diagnose is if you have like, you have to like die and like yeah. open your brain. Also, I should say this uh, like bipolar and schizophrenia. It runs in my family. My sister has it. My younger sister. And there was a period before I started teaching where she went manic and she did a lot of wild things. And so that's when the like the ideation really started coming heavy. And in that time I was on a leave at work, it was like two weeks, uh, a student of mine committed. Oh, how, what was yeah. the, um, what were you teaching? I was, uh, art, but I was also photography and she was in my photography class and I could just tell, and I'd reach out to like her, the counselors and I'm not putting blame on anybody, you know, you never, you can never tell what's going to happen. So it's no one's fault. You know, I don't want to make anybody feel like that. But, you know, I'd bring it up and it was always just the, well, you know, that's how girls are. Oh, wow. But I could just tell because how obsessed she was with um, like death and just talking about it. And she would always, uh, when she'd come into my class, she'd turn on the computer. Her background was the, you know, that picture of that starving child and that vulture's looking at him. It was just stuff like that, which, and then she found out uh, that in that school district, where it's in that, there's this Pearl Jam song. That was written about a student who went to Richardson High School and did that. And then that was in our district. I just felt so guilty because I was like, you know, because I was always talking to her. So I was like, and I was like, well, maybe if I didn't get a concussion, I would have been able to. And then I started having like the ideation and like, I guess, nightmares and stuff like that. But How old were you when this was happening? This was 2018. I was oh. 30. The ideations kicked up and then you lost a student and you were home. Yeah. So you try again, second time? Uh, no, I don't try again until a couple of years later. That sounds like it was a hard, super, super hard period of time. 
because of the CTE, I was also uh, I was having like schizophrenia traits and all that. I was prescribed, I think, at one point thirteen different medications, and yeah. the only one I remember is lithium, just because the Nirvana song. Like I couldn't keep up with it you know i don't have the attention span to remember because a lot of it was like take this and then take it again at this time of day and like i'm walking around with this pill case that like you see like elderly have that have the times like am pm am pm and then i went to go pick it up once because my wife couldn't do it and then he's just saying all like the actual names of the medications mm. and all i remember is like well butrin and lithium and it was like and it was just, i just got so fed up but time would go and I would come to it and it'd be like Wednesday. And all I remember is Sunday. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So it was like huge memory loss. So even recalling it back, like it's hard to remember those years while I was on that, all that medication. And that really scared me. And then one day I was like, I can't live like that. Cause I would, I'd also just start nodding off mm-hmm. like in class. I'd like, I'd fall asleep and like students would wake me up. Even like while driving, I'm so asleep while I'm driving sometimes. I think a lot of it was all that medication. I'm sure it was. And then you tried in what, 2021, 2020, COVID? It was after COVID. I tried the same thing, but with a a ratchet strap. Did you want it to work? Oh, I wanted it to work, man. The reason I got through and didn't try it again until later, because my wife, she knew about the the second time I tried and and she wasn't happy about it. And then she thought like, well, you're going to leave us and the kids. That's so selfish. But when you're like alone, you know, and it's like that, it's easy to just be like sad and get Mm -hmm. through it. But when you have like kids and like what? They like really depend on you to be like the fun dad at the park and all that. Mm-hmm. And then also, so, and then the finances, that's where it's also been really hard because, you know, my check was really messed up from COVID. So I only get paid once a month. Uh-huh. So like they messed up the check. So I didn't have a month of any pay. So then when you do that, I have to do the cash advance loans because you can't pull from your TRS or whatever, your retirement because you're under 59. And it's like, it's not considered a hardship because you're not yet evicted like you're not on the street yet and i'm like dude i'm about to be if i don't get any money so a lot of it came like that because then i remember talking to uh someone at trs which is like a teacher retirement thing and i was just like look i mean i'm telling you all this stuff i went through a hard time and it was like well the only way to get it is if you uh after 59 or you die and so that gave me the idea right there your family yeah and i'm like well if i die you know they'll get like you know the 40 whatever that's in my retirement mm. it was a hard decision because the payout wouldn't happen for 90 days after like so like the day i died or whatever and they filed the paperwork and they'd still have to wait 90 days was that attempt two or attempt three we were just talking about no this is i've only attempted twice okay so that second attempt the main reason was that yeah and that's what's been like it's just always looming on me now because of that same thing you know do you think about it often for the same reasons? Oh, yeah. And, you know, now there was so much like family drama going on. It's every day now. Every day. Yeah. How many kids? Do you have? I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. The seven-year-old is my daughter and the nine-year-old is my son. Did you do what your mother did and marry a super white person? Your words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, I did. She's from Buffalo. Yeah, she came from a wealthy upbringing. And so that makes it harder, you know. Yeah. Did you meet online? We met in class at uh, UNT. was finished skateboarding and the professor yelled at me about it. And then she thought that was cute. So that's what made her start talking to me. Nice tactical move there. <laughs> you worked. You got two kids. Yep. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah. But boy, she like, dang it. What did I get into? I don't think I've ever asked this question. If you live, do you think you'll stay married to her? 
Yeah, you know what, man, I, I love her to pieces, but I feel like a lot of the problems we have, it's probably me. I know how I am, especially with my mental state. It's, I'm probably very hard to live with because I'm very defensive. Also, I, I tend to make jokes of everything at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. I don't take things seriously. When they, the thing is, I do. It's just my coping mechanism is to make it into a joke. I think I do that a lot, and too. So, it's hard uh, when we're funny people. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, sorry if you're not funny. I'm funny, whoever you are out there hearing this. I, I was given a gift, so I'm going to use it. Yeah. Have you ever been in the hospital for any of this stuff? Oh, man, I have. And it was it was awful. This was before COVID. She went with me. All I can remember is, uh, like, you do the test, right? The survey I always do. And the next thing I know, there's an officer. That's what you get for being honest. Yeah. And the thing is, my memory, like, I'll be honest, Sean, I have such a bad memory these days, even up to now. And I remember the officer, I don't know what I said, but I know my wife was with me. My wife's crying now. I have this officer and he's like, I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck's that guy? And he's like, oh, it's just to be safe where we take you down. I'm like, take me down where? I'm getting like fucking hostile, right? And then, and then that's all the more reason that why it makes it worse. It makes it much worse, worse right? but they've like kind yeah. of antagonized the instigated. And I'm like, don't put your hands on me because the dude wanted, like, I was like, no, dude, he's like, chill out. He's like, trying to touch me. I'm like, dude, back the fuck off, man. Yeah. So now I look like a crazy guy. So I go down there and then this like Doogie Hauser looking doctor dude like sits on my bed and he's like, look, I know you have wife and kids and you love them, but if you really love them, you know, just try it out. Try what out? I don't know why. Like, try to be admitted into the thing whatever this was and so i'm like yeah okay i'll try it and my wife is crying and i go in and man it was just an awful experience in there they they told me afterwards that i might have been put in the wrong one but it was like people like like very aggressive and this guy tried to fight me because i had pre-put that i wanted a burger like from the other hospital or something so i gotta have this burger and like a to-go box but i also got lasagna and he's trying to fight me now and it was just so much aggression and i'm already like freaked out I'm just like, can I talk to someone? And that makes it worse. And then what's that thing that everyone says? I don't want, I don't need to be in here. And so someone pulled me aside and she was just like, look, you have to just go with the program. Because if you just make a fuss and you keep arguing, they're just going to, you know, think you need it more. Such a bizarre. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So how long were you there for? I was in there for three days only. Feels like a long fucking three days. Yeah. And you know, like the first day and then they're like, uh, yeah, uh, I was waiting for some certain doctor. Yeah. And like, he's the one who gets you. And you wait for this guy for like 24 hours or something. I'm waiting. I haven't slept. He comes in there and he's talks to me for like 20 seconds. And he has been like nothing. It was really frustrating. My wife, since she has, uh, that, uh, separation anxiety, she like pulled some strings to get me out early because I guess her mom used to date a guy that like was hit something and he like called up there and got me out. But it was just, and man, that didn't help at all, man. And that's where I've become like, I don't want to talk about it to anybody because yep. I don't want that, that shit to happen again, man. That was awful, dude. Mom, does she know about the second attempt? No, she doesn't. Like, she really, like, if my wife talks about it, like, in my, like, mental health, she gets really upset. My mom does. Your mom does. And she's like, you can't miss work. Like, what, how are you going to do? What, you can't miss work? You have kids? Are you imitating your mother's accent a little bit right now no you know what <laughs> i do do an imitation i'm not gonna do it though because <laughs> i don't want to get anybody in trouble she's still in texas she is where's your dad uh he is in texas as well got a big beard you know does he looks like burt reynolds i'm kind of upset because he's like dude he's like six five burt reynolds odd stuff i guess and my mom's like uh four nine though so I'm, i didn't get any height dude you're a big guy though right oh yeah i'm a big guy but not tall i'm more horizontal 
I understand clearly your drift. <laughs> so how many people do you have in your life to talk about this? Is it zero? Yeah. You know, my friends, I love my friends, man. But a lot of times when I talk about it, I feel like I'm kind of taking away. Like, uh, oh, here's like Seth James again. And then like, mm-hmm. I feel, and then I feel bad because I'm like, well, how are you doing? And obviously they're not going to tell me the truth because they didn't listen to me. So now I just, I don't tell anybody about it. Did you already tell me at some point, did you get a diagnosis that you think is correct? When I went to my primary for the CTE thing after that concussion, he did diagnose me. I think it was bipolar, mm-hmm. but he, he had assumed I was also before that schizophrenic and all this stuff from the CTE. And what's scaring me is like, I now like I'll do like research on CTE and I'll look at like the symptoms and I know you're not supposed to do that. But I do think there is maybe a little, because I do hear things. You hear things? Sometimes it's voices. And a lot of the times it's how I interpret what people say. Like I'll like my principal, for example, if she says something about this, I'll interpret that she just thinks I'm bad at my job and hate it. And then I'll even remember things in conversation that someone says, but they actually didn't say it. But when I heard it, I thought they said it. Or I think they did, did say it. And I think with the, a lot of it is, uh, I don't know if stress can do it, but it's really stressful when we're going through right now. And I, I can see it coming out. And like, uh, I'll just give you an example. I'm really uh, afraid to sound crazy, which I don't, I know this is not the place to feel afraid, right? I hope not. No. I had thought my wife and sister, my sister were walkie talking each other. And I thought they like walkie talking my principal because mm-hmm. I was hearing like a walkie talkie sound. Uh. So when I got this email from work, I tagged everyone in it and just let them have it, man. I guess it's good that when after it happens and I've had like a sleep, I can go back and look at it and be like, that was crazy, man. When, when it's happening and in the email I type it, I'd say that they all have the same face. So often when I talk to someone and I'm feeling this way, the face that I can describe it as is like a, a bank teller hitting like the panic button. Mm. Does that make, it's kind of like a mm-hmm. face or like it's like a wide eyed. And so I'm going off about that. And I don't know, that's not healthy, I don't think. And I know it's confusing to hear. So sorry. I think it's interesting to hear is the better word for me. So it's like this song rambling about these faces and stuff. And of course, if you read it, <laughs> read it back, I'm like, dude, this guy's psycho, right? Like I tagged my, my boss, my wife and my sister. And then there's some random HR lady from work. And I'm just like oh. listing off things and stuff. But Crazy. then the next day, yeah. uh, the HR was like, yeah, uh, we can give you admin leave until your contract's up. If you promise not to renew your contract. Oh, they forced you out. Did you say yes? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking when you said earlier, like crazy, I, I thought, what well, crazy or not, there's going to be some consequences to doing what you did. Yeah. You know, and there was, which is not saying it's fair. I just know that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I can think back and reflect on my life and, you know, even before that last concussion, uh, there's been moments where I've done stuff like that, just acted out like that. Yeah. And it yeah. has affected my life. Does anybody find out other than your wife about attempt to? Uh, no. I think she might have told, and um, this is another problem, she might have told family, and then they get on to me, and it's yeah, a bad situation. Did you wish that the attempt had worked a few years ago? The only reason it didn't is because I ratcheted it the wrong way, because I was upset while I was doing it. I didn't do it right. And, you know, I've done it right every other time, but this time, I guess, I don't know if that was like a subconscious thing. I was just doing it while upset, but uh, it didn't work. And, you know, that really hurt me that she went, because the way she told the family was like during an argument. And so it was like used against me. And I really, you know, that still hurts today to know that she would do that. But I understand. I mean, what else do you do? I don't want to blame anybody. But do you regret, do you wish it had worked? 
You know what? Part of me does because I'm like, my biggest thing is I feel like such a burden, you know, like uh, what we've been through and all that. If someone was like stronger, like a better father, husband, they wouldn't be in this situation. I feel like, you know, even at work, I was like, I'm a bad teacher because of stuff, bring stuff from home into work and it's affecting me. I don't know. Yeah, I wish it would have, especially because I just feel like I make it worse and worse and worse. And if it wasn't 90 days before they get paid, you know, no matter it was like a week, who knows? Yeah. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why it's 90 days. Probably you know not. what? I couldn't get I couldn't get any more info from him because he started doing that verifying. Like, do you live at this address? And I knew that he was trying to contact the cops. Oh, Jesus. Does anything help you feel better? Oh, uh, music, man. Me and a couple of friends, we've been trying to release something. Yeah, working on that makes me, I just think, I think a lot of it is like, I need to be occupied. Like I need an outlet. And, uh, but it's just like, you know, at this day and age, it's uh, or at my age and my responsibilities, you can't do that all day. You know, I even made my, my conversation with the guy into like a song and stuff. So uh, that was really, I guess, therapeutic. What kind of music? It's like low IQ music, buddy. It's like 80s style, like uh, hardcore, but uh, there's not much there. But it's uh, it feels good to yell and write these nasty things down and say them. Because even that. Because my wife knows, she's known since the beginning, like, I like what I like. But if she can understand what I'm saying, then she gets scared. Oh, why are you singing about that? You think you're going to make it to 40? I, I don't I don't know. It just feels like every step's the wrong step, So I don't, especially lately. I'll tell you this dream I, I always have. I've had it for a while. Because I always have like this tension in my head. And in this dream, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I do, but I do it and all the like, like air comes out of my head and it releases the tension oh it's like like morphine running through your body feel it like going through you that's what the feeling i get so like now like if it's a stressful time i just start like fantasizing and it's been like that for a few years and it's getting really twisted because like i'd be in like class and like elementary school like kindergartners because i teach art so let's see all the grades i'm happy and stuff it makes me think if i had any like elementary school teachers who were thinking that way back in the day yeah while they were in the class yeah. teaching us whatever. Yeah, and it's so dark a thing like that, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, look how happy they are. And like, they're just so happy. And then here I am, you know. I use work as kind of therapy because uh, just like joking around with the kids all day, you know. Like, just mm-hmm. making kids laugh. That's really helpful to me. But you're going to lose yeah. your job, right? You lost your job. Yeah. So I can't get into that now. I wonder what the suicide state is in the Philippines, even though I, she hasn't been there in a long time. I know that, but. Well, I used to go, and everyone's very, uh, I mean, it's a hard place to live. I remember her explaining it like, my grandma worked endlessly. She has, like, seven brothers and sisters. Her, She worked so hard just so they could come to the States. And she was like, you doing that would just be mm-hmm. a waste, because I was supposed to come to the States and have a kid that are also successful. Yeah, no pressure there, buddy. Are there any myths around this stuff that you want to... Uh... Yeah, you know, everyone, a lot of people just think that it's, a, I don't know, like a mood or something. But like, in my case, I can't help it. It's mm-hmm. more than like, it's always on my mind, especially recently. And uh, the whole thing, like also that, oh, we need to like pep them up and help them. You know, sometimes doing that just makes me feel worse. So that makes me feel more different and more ashamed. You know, sometimes when you think you're helping, you're also making it worse. And it is kind of scary thinking like, oh, there's no answer. But, you know, I do know that talking about it helps, but without judgment. That seems hard for people. Because mm-hmm. the moment I mentioned it, it's like, well, you, you're a dad. What are you, what are you thinking like that? 
what he asked there is not a question. It's a statement disguised as a question. Yeah. What he said was, you shouldn't be thinking that way. What would be a more interesting question was to actually ask the question. I really fucking hate when they're like, oh, it's going to get better, buddy. And it has not. At what point of it not getting better, is it reasonable for people to say, I, I don't think you're right. Don't think it's going to get better. It's unlikely, right? It's a reasonable thing to think about if it's been going on for a long time. It wasn't possible to do anything, I guess. I really don't want to get on any more medication because right now my memory is so bad and I don't want any more of that. So I don't know what to do. That's CTE thing. That's interesting. That hasn't come up much in this podcast. This last one was really bad and it had like brain swelling. The re- main reason I, I didn't like his uh, CTE thing is this was around like, remember Aaron Hernandez? Oh, yeah. First off, I hate the Patriots. And I was like, what? Like, Aaron, I'm not a one. Because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, kill someone? And it's a scary thing. And then yeah. you know, I found out like 90% of the NFL players might have. That's the thing. They might have it. You can't tell until you cut your brain open. So I'm like, what the hell? What's the point of even doing anything about it? And I'm sure if my situations were better, it'd be easier to do. But a lot of times it's not an out. I just feel like I'm a burden, you know? But does that ever go away, that feeling? very brief and that's the sad thing is it's very brief it's like just because i feel like i'm the i'm the reason for it and it's no one's fault and i think that everyone would be better without me yeah i wonder what percentage of people who attempt feel that way i think it's probably pretty high you ever lose anyone to suicide besides the student i remember my friend my dad's uh friend jim he did it on uh, christmas and uh, I remember my mom, I didn't hear the like the phone, what he said on the phone, but I remember my mom asking him why he did it. And my dad's response was, he just did it. What did you tell your wife that you were doing tonight? A uh, job interview. You're going to come home and she's going to say, how was the interview? And then I was like, you know, it was great. You know, uh, we talked a long time. <laughs> what other stuff is on your mind about any of this? You know, I feel when I talk about it also, I feel really like pathetic. I don't think I should feel that way. You know, I can't help it. And I feel like that's also a people think, oh, they're pathetic. They can't keep going. And I don't think that's right either. Because if I could choose not to think this way, I mean, I obviously would, but I can't help it. And it's really getting to me because like that whole walkie talkie thing, you know, I was explaining to that while my sister was on FaceTime and my wife was in the room and just the look on their faces like, what are you talking about? This is so crazy. And then they both start crying. Do you think your kids have any idea that you're struggling? Uh, you know, I, I used to be so good at hiding it. Like I'll never, I never talk about, like, I'll never say anything to them. But, uh, a few weeks ago, I noticed that my daughter started, she, she would like wake me up and I'm usually the first one to wake up. She just opened the door and like check on me and that'd wake me up and then I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And then she just shut the door. And then I finally asked like, what, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just checking to see if you're still here. Cause I feel like you won't be here. And then that just makes me feel like, oh, my God, like I'm just awful dad, awful husband. And, you know, uh, growing up with my dad, he was always in, like, in trouble with the law. Sometimes he'd be locked up. And then there was one where he was evading warrants. And he was, like, in your part of town. Well, not Chapel Hill, but Raleigh. Okay. But throughout all that, I still knew that I could, like, depend on, like, I could depend on him, you know, whether it was, like, through a letter or phone call. Mm. It was still, like, uplift me. And then I feel bad because here I am. I'm in person. And I'm not doing that for them, you know. You know, I think that just proves the case of, like, I am the I am the problem. Like, I'd be at work. You know, kids would always say, like, oh, I wish you were my dad. And what would make me sad, though, is, like, look, I'm not even doing anything but, like, just my normal classroom, like, respect and all that that's in any classroom. And you only see me for 50 minutes a day, one day of the week. 
And then you think that, but then why can't I even have my kids when I, they come home think that? You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just like, it feels like I'm a fraud. And, and then I got into this thing where I was like really into like reincarnation. And I thought that, uh, well, if I do it, maybe I'll come back as someone better. Maybe you'll come back as me, James. <laughs> I can only hope. I don't know if you want to come back as me. I'm just saying it would be interesting. So what is your, so you're going to go home? Yes. You see your wife, your two kids, they're going to be sleeping? I think they're actually, I think they walk by and they're at the park. Is she going to catch you not being in an interview? No, because I said it was a Zoom interview. Uh, is this park near your house? It's 100 yards, probably. But I cannot let uh, my wife know uh, it was a podcast, though. Is there any way she can, she's going to hear it when it comes out? Oh, no, but, uh, oh, God, this is another, I'm just rambling, but uh, I had a secret podcast that I made for friends, and then a friend brought it up at dinner. And I guess everyone at the table but her had heard the podcast. What was it about? It's basically just telling like uh, sore stories, but I'm using like my dad's voice. This was like 2015. I thought that when other people started listening to it outside of my friends, if that makes sense. And then I started getting emails and then I felt bad. I stopped doing it because there were like sincere emails. And then my wife found out at dinner because my friend brought it up. And then I guess I'm a bad communicator too, Sean. I don't know, man. I don't know. It sounds like both of you have some work to do. <laughs> i'm barely being honest but so do i yeah i mean i'm single man there's a reason for that yeah. uh, my friend i gotta go i've enjoyed talking to you sorry i gotta cut it off all right man i really appreciate you sean yeah man i hope your night's decent all right i'm gonna go uh shoot some three-pointers with my kid gotcha man have fun all right take it easy take it easy man. as always thanks so much for listening and all of your support special thanks to james down in texas thank you james if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. Check the show notes for all kinds of other ways you can get involved and participate, including our membership, which comes with some nice little perks, and we could use that kind of support. Rate and review us if you listen on Apple. That does help more people find the podcast. And of course, that's one of our goals. Remember to help more people in more places feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. One conversation at a time. And that is all for episode number 166. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.